It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. My name is Victor Furman. Some call me The Voice. I've always been fascinated with human nature, spirituality, science, and the crossroads at which they meet. Join me now and we will explore these topics and so much more with fascinating guests, authors, and experts who will guide us to Destination Unlimited. Through this tragic pandemic, many souls are leaving the earth at this time. It reminded me of a poem by Isaac King. Death is all around us. He is watching at us, observing us, waiting till we screw up so he can take our souls after we die. How do we process death and dying in the era of COVID-19? How does this time differ from transition in normal times? Are there ways to accomplish this during this period of separation and physical distancing? What may we offer as family and, moreover, as caretakers to those about to leave this world and give meaning, comfort, and love to them? My guest this week on Destination Unlimited, Suzanne Worthley, is an energy healing practitioner and intuitive who was focused on death and dying for 20 years. She's played a vital role in partnership with families and hospice teams, helping the dying have a peaceful transition and helping family and caregivers understand what is happening energetically during the death process. Her website is sworthly.com, and she joins me this week to discuss her new book, An Energy Healer's Book of Dying, for Caregivers and Those in Transition. Please join me in welcoming to Destination Unlimited, Suzanne Worthley. Good day, Suzanne. Hi there, Victor. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you for joining us. So please share with our listeners about your path and how you became an energy healer. Oh, boy, I tell you, um, it's been an evolving path. I think uh, many of us that come into these human incarnations come in with some knowing from the very beginning, I think, that we've got a so-called mission or something to do. And then many of us put that kind of on the back shelf as we traverse these 3D lives. But little by little, it kept kind of coming forward in terms of um, 
you know, my intuition would get stronger, et cetera. But then boy, oh boy, in my late thirties, it came in like crazy. I was literally coming out of my back door of my home. My husband was coming out of the back door of the garage and we crossed paths in the backyard driveway area. And I said, oh my goodness, if you don't start figuring out your medicines, you're going to die. And he said, what? (laughs) And I said, I don't know why I know that, but I can see in your body right now. And I oracally could see in his entire body, I could see all of his auras, his chakras, his fields. And to tell you the truth, Victor, I thought I was kind of losing it. And it came back that fast. So I think that the birthright of intuitive skills and psychic senses is something we all have. Whether we choose to reactivate that knowing or remembering is to be determined by, I think, our higher self. And mine said, hey, girl, it's time to get working. Now, I had a similar experience. I was very, very spiritual and had that sense that you were talking about when I was a kid. It sort of went away. And also in my mid to late 30s, it reemerged. Is that something that you find with other people? I think with my client base, um, ironically, um, I'm 60 now and I've been doing this, like I said, for about 20 years. But my client base, it's happening quicker and faster. Thank goodness. uh, Right. Um, because a lot of us were waiting, we, we would call ourselves the older indigos or the older star seeds. And, um, a lot of us are, are activating in that 30 range. And a lot of the other clients that are younger are activating quicker and faster and remembering what they know very, very at a, a younger age. And I think it's all due to the ascension process, to tell you the truth. I think everybody came here at the time when they needed to activate whatever age they're at. I think we are all here at this time because we have a job to do, and I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Now, what drew you to working with those in transition and their caretakers? Well, as I mentioned in the book, I am a daughter of a mortician. Um, Death and dying for me was my normal life. I didn't, actually, to tell you the truth, I didn't understand why everybody else didn't get it. I you know, it was our common dinner place conversation. We ran around the funeral home on the weekends after piano lessons and nothing about death scared me. And as I started to get, you know, mid school age, I started to realize not everybody felt the same. So I held that very dear throughout my life. And as energy work started to come back into my life, I started to think, huh, well, natural progression of the two, you know, knowings, I just said out loud to my sister, geez, I think I should be doing hospice. And I really had never even entertained the thought. It was kind of one of those drop in divine thoughts. And, and she was actually going off to a pet expo of all things that day, and came across a table at the pet expo that was having pamphlets out for hospice, meaning hospice that uses a pet. And she got me the contact and within 48 hours, I was meeting with the people and it just, it went that quickly. Again, synchronicities happen in life when they're supposed to. What was your sense being in the presence uh, in your father's funeral home of those who have passed on? Oh gosh. Um, For me, like, again, that was so normal. There was never a sense of fear. Um, It was just part of the way that this all works. And then I would be a little confused as a young child looking at the people from the outside perspective, staring in, watching grief. And, you know, grief is a very real thing. And but for me as a child, I had a very inner knowing that this was all the way that it was supposed to be. So it was a little jumbled in my head sometimes trying to figure out, like, why don't they understand this? And and this is still a thing I deal with even now at this age, this inner, inner knowing that I've always had that this is the way that this is always supposed to have been. And we're supposed to be honoring death. And we're supposed to understand transition and transmuting back to source. And 
I was always kind of confused, like the masses, why they didn't get it, even as a child. Just out of curiosity, did you have any uh, uh, contact with uh, those who were disembodied at that t- at that age? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, there's a big uh, lot of pieces to my story in, in terms of that stuff. Um, at five and six years old, I was um, very, very sick. Out of the blue, I got what was an undiagnosed blood disease. And so I had benevolent beings and off-planet beings, et cetera, in my room every single night. I, I thought everybody else saw them, by the way. And um, just recently had a chat with my sister who's two years older than me and shared the bed with me. And we were talking about how, didn't you ever see those, Lenny? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So um, we kind of giggle at this point about it. But at five and six, very much. I had benevolent beings, off-planet beings, um, you know, angelic beings uh, in my room consistently every single night talking to me. You know, I had mentioned before the show started that you resemble my younger sister you and I could be absolutely brother and sister, and she's the same age as you are. She's also sixty. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's <laughs> and, really and I also and I also had that same experience when I was very young of having all of the experiences that you just described. So no uh, way! Oh my God! Maybe we're on another alternate reality doing I, something that's kind I, of. I, I think so. This is this is really fascinating to me. And like I had explained to you before the interview, the connection that I'm having with so many of the guests who come on is that somehow we're soul family and we're all here at this time for the higher purpose. And I thank you for joining me today. Thank you. So how would you describe your initial energy healing practice? Well, when I first started, it actually was sort of handed to me. I was at that point in time with my husband doing what is called marriage encounter. We were two of the presenters of marriage encounter. And at one of the weekends, I met a gal who was, um, uh, uh, Reiki practitioner and hands-on healer. She was an RN. And I had no idea what she was talking about. And she told me, you need to do this. You need to understand energy healing. And I, I was a 3D corporate mom with four kids, you know, doing the thing. And I looked at her so like she was kind of a nutbag. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And um, she ironically said, go back and look up the book, Barbara Brennan's Hands of Light. It's the initial book, I think, in the best original book on energy, even though it's quite old at this point. But um, I said, well, that's really weird. I actually own that book because someone gifted it to me years ago, I said, but I tried to open it and read it and it made no sense. And she got this very strange look on her face and she said, read it again. And I thought, okay, that was a weird kind of voice and a weird kind of look. It wasn't even her talking, to tell you the truth. And I brought it up to the cabin, and I read it that weekend, and I zipped through the entire book in a day and a half because I knew the book at this point. It was a download. And I took off like a rocket from there. I I took everything I possibly could to read. I never took classes. Everything was a download. Everything came from the divine Um, At the very beginning, I used my hands because I thought I was supposed to. I didn't understand my telepathy skills at that point and literally evolved and evolved as I started to just do the work. And remember, I was a corporate mom at this time. So it was a little bit it was a little bit of a balance. Corporate monster all day, healer at night, you know, so it evolved. I've got to share with you, number one, first of all, there's a Buddhist concept called readiness in time, which says we have to go through a certain number of things in our soul's evolution until we're prepared to receive certain information, appreciate it, act on it, and understand it. So I think that's the concept that you're talking about. Number two, 
I've been in business also, in corporate business, in uh, industrial sales of all things for 41 years. And again, wow. <laughs> balancing yep. that with the spiritual life when that reemerged was, was really something amazing that happened to me. So I, I share that common experience with you. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get it. So, so you were a corporate mom, and then all of a sudden, this energy, uh, this uh, book, uh, Barbara Brennan's book, uh, m- became meaningful to you. And then what happened? Well, and then I started to play, and I started to play using my husband of all things as the first guinea pig. And the very first time when I did a session on him, and all of his dead relatives came into the room, I started to realize, oh, this stuff is real. And um, I, I'm very grateful to all the people that allowed me to use them as guinea pigs from the very beginning because. It was a process of un, you know, unearthing the knowing inside of me. And then one thing led to another, and then it became very, very clear it was time to leave corporate and to jump in full time. And that wasn't easy, but I did do it. And so that was a long time ago now, and I'm very, very grateful that I did, obviously. When I so took, it was an evolution. Yeah. When I took Reiki 1, the first person I worked on was my daughter. And as I was working with my daughter, all of our uh, past relatives came to her. And she described them, even those that she had never met. Right? Yeah, we're doing the same. Boy, we're having the same walk, you and I. Synchronicity. My wonderful guest is Suzanne Worthley. She's the author of an energy healer's book of dying for caregivers and those in transition. We'll be back with more of Suzanne after these words on the Ohm Times Radio Network. Ohm Times Magazine is one of the leading online content providers of positivity wellness, and personal empowerment. A philanthropic organization, their net proceeds are funneled to support worldwide charity initiatives via Humanity Healing International. Through their commitment to creating community and providing conscious content, they aspire to uplift humanity on a global scale. Ohm Times, co-creating a more conscious lifestyle. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact. Without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. The student asks the teacher, how do I experience transformation? The teacher replies, when the student is ready to receive deeper answers, the student then asks, how do I know what deeper questions to ask? And the teacher replies, when the student decides to commit to a practice inviting transformation, level two questions will be revealed. Hi, I'm Tomas Garza, and as a teacher and host, I'm inviting listeners to enroll in the Mastery of Transformation by joining me on Decide to Transform. Your bridge to level two answers. Tuesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern on Ohm Times Radio. Back on Destination Unlimited, my guest this week is Suzanne Worthley. She's the author of An Energy Healer's Book of Dying for Caregivers and Those in Transition. Suzanne, what is the difference between how an energy healer deals with death and dying and the average person? Oh, I If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. 
And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Don't necessarily um, think it's just because I'm an energy healer, because I think it's anybody that is on a spiritual path and opening up kind of those belief systems from a different perspective can find that um, knowing that there is no death. We can find that knowing that there is no death in many, many different ways. I think the twist of the energy healer maybe might be the opportunity to actually use the gifts of psychic skills to be able to see the transition in reality, meaning I can see the auric fields, I can hear their benevolence, I can watch the transition, I can assist in that. And again, it doesn't have to be an energy healer, because I believe we're all born with birthright of psychic skills. It's just that I become a practitioner, it's become very, very easy for me to be able to pull up that skill and then integrate it into the process to assist that person in many, many ways. But in my belief, we should be doing this work all the time anyway, dying or not dying, because in actuality, we're all walking around shutting down anyway, <laughs> if you get my drift there. I mean, that's important. Uh, absolutely. Um, you open your book with a discussion of life force energy. What's your definition of life force energy? Right. Um, I, I think we can use that word interchangeably in a lot of different ways. Basically, it's um, consciousness. When I have a new client that doesn't understand even the word consciousness, for example, because we don't use that in daily you know, conversation, I say it more like you as a meat and bone body are a vehicle of that God source. You chose to drop into a meat and bone body existence as the vehicle of a God source to create an experience. That vehicle needs gas, just like our car. It needs gasoline and a connection to that source in order to be able to run. So that gasoline comes through our chakra system, which is that consciousness connection or that life force energy so that we can move just like we can in a car. And then that gas tank that holds that life force energy or consciousness container is our auric field. And all of those pieces are very, very important for us to move forward in health and synchronicity, because this is how we actually come in and activate and connect. And then that chakra system and auric field is actually how we disconnect and go what we would call back out again, back to source energy. So it's a process. And that's what this book is really about is to understand that process. Do some of us have larger tanks than others? I'm sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> I think I have a pretty, yeah, and it's not ego, let me tell you, but it's a pretty big tank um, in terms of, um, yeah, the more that you heighten what we would call your frequency and vibration, I think your tank gets bigger because it's more 
holding more love on behalf of service to self and service to others. And again, this is not judgment. It's not validation that I'm better than you are. But I mean, it is it's a muscle. You know, this is stuff that we have to remember and work at. I love when I left my corporate job, by the way, a lot of people said, oh, wow, Suzanne, it must be so cool just being Zen all day and just kind of doing meditating. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is the hardest I've worked ever, you know, because this stuff is not easy. So I think that the tank grows on behalf of the all, if you want to think of it that way. And I think uh, we're fortunate at a time when the price of gas is the lowest it's been in years. (laughs) In a lot of ways, right? In a lot of ways. You know, it's interesting talking about energy and and the soul, the spirit, and the the agreement to embody these these vehicles. Um, Science touches upon this. And the second law of thermodynamics says that energy may neither be created nor destroyed, but changes from form to form. So when we talk about transition or death and dying, we're talking about that energy departing from this vehicle. Right. It's a transmutation. And I, you know, again, as a mortician's daughter, um, we use the word dead very easy. And that scares a lot of people or death or die. And um, a lot of people will say um, someone's passed and or crossed. And I'm not making fun of that. But I think the true word that we should be using is things like, you know, my loved one um, transmuted or transitioned. These are really beautiful words because the actuality is the energy doesn't die. The energy transmutes. The energy doesn't die or go away somewhere. That's part of what scares us. It's a transition back to. So, yes, energy is always in change and flux. It doesn't go anywhere. It just changes form. It's, it's like the line from Greg Lake of Emerson, Lake and Palmer. There is no end to my life, no beginning to my death. Death is life. Exactly. And if we could get that concept in a really beautiful, wonderful, um, you know, awe, filled manner, we wouldn't be suffering so much because there's so much suffering and fear around death and the process of it because we oftentimes make everybody else's story ours. And we do this as humans all day long anyway, but we especially do it in the death process. And it's the concept of the physical body, the the, the transportation, the, the vehicle not being there. And we're so used to that being there. And in all fairness, um, you know, if my loved one dropped over today or tomorrow, I would also very much be sad about that physical body. That said, I know with every ounce of my being that my job is to honor their choice for leaving that physical body. That's the big part about this book is to understand that we all are choosing from a higher perspective. And my job as the one still here is to honor that choice. I have to share a brief personal story, which I believe you will appreciate. Um, I had been in a relationship with someone back in the 90s, and unfortunately, she transitioned in January of 1998. And as someone who sees energy and senses energy, I sensed her her soul leaving her body. And uh, you talk about that sadness or missing someone when they're past the physical presence. Well, one of the things she used to do was rub my back every night before I went to sleep. Mm-hmm. And the night of her transition, I was in bed. We had two cats at the time, and the two cats uh, were up in the bed, like two little sphinxes facing me. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they started looking up to the doorway, then looking up to the ceiling, and then looking behind me. And I yeah. felt her hands rubbing my back, and I knew that she was present and there for me. So, And that's a beautiful story and a beautiful opportunity. And so many of us are having these experiences without, A, even knowing that we can, much less, B, even being present in the moment, much less, C, going, I think I made that up. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Oh, it was tangible. It was real. Absolutely yep. real. And and something that those of us who are aware and just open our hearts and our and our essences to the concept of this energy can experience. And I try to help people when I work with them to understand it's not them that is not there. It's you that is not open to the concept of receiving because they can't go anywhere when they're in a point of omnipresence, meaning they just are. They're, they're back to that I am source. And it's us that needs to find that frequency vibration of opening up that heart space to allow that experience to become what we would consider real. Absolutely. In your book, An Energy Healer's Book of Dying, you discuss the levels of transition. Please give our listeners an insight into these levels. Okay. I I tried very hard to write this in a methodical way so that people could understand it because a lot of linear thinkers um, have a hard time when you're talking about things like omnipresence and collective consciousness. And so we have um, chakras in our body and we can call them one through seven in our body, even though there's hundreds and hundreds. And I... Um, tried to be very methodical in showing how the body activates in birth and deactivates in death. And these correlate and align to the chakras and the auric plates. And so when we're saying one through nine, that's because there's some more chakras that are going on beyond that seventh chakra in our crown. These ignite in a so-called methodical way when we're in utero. And this starts in the third month when we're becoming that fetus. And this in no way says when we're a person, et cetera. It's not about that. It's about energy consciousness connecting. So third month, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, it activates those seven chakras, the root chakra being the last one in the ninth month. And so when we die, we do it the opposite. We deactivate starting with that root chakra because each of these chakras holds a consciousness connection. And that consciousness connection in the very first chakra is our connection to this earth planet itself. And so our choice to leave planet happens first. And then it methodically goes through the chakra system, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of sorts, in a way that it keeps transmuting, releasing, shutting off the gas, dissipating, etc. So it has to do with the levels of consciousness connection in the chakra system and auric field. Now that said, um, I wrote it methodically and organized so that people could understand the concept. It does not mean, and I say this in the book, that it doesn't mean that I, if I had something tragic happen, for example, and I get taken immediately, I don't have that luxury, if we want to use that weird word right now, of shutting down like maybe someone in a long-term hospice situation. But at the very same time, these chakra connections and these releases and these alignments will still happen, even though my so-called meat body has left the planet. It still will go through these processes, but not necessarily in a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, et cetera, order. And again, these energy centers, the chakras have no correlation really to the physical body once the body's gone. Well, it, they, they are still energy movers. They are still portals of information. They are still portals of connection that are working in our energy body. And that actually is what's happening this entire time when we're sitting here as meat bodies today. Our meat body is existing and experiencing in consciousness because of what's coming through that auric field and that chakra system as information, as a blueprint, as, a, as an instruction set, for example. So this is what we're really working with is the instruction set, even though we're living, much less even though we're dying. So it, it kind of is bigger. How would you share these concepts with those who might have a spiritual connection to them? In um, meaning like uh, a dogmatic connection to them or what? No, someone who just doesn't really get it yet and, and reads your book. How do, how do they get that conveyance from you? 
Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think that what we need to understand is that dogma and spirituality is two different things. You know, religion and spirit is two different things. And I think that part of this, no matter who you are, if you are having a core belief system that doesn't understand something, we are just spirit beings. We are just love. We are just energy. So oftentimes I bring it back to straight up energy. I try not to even put the spiritual spin sometimes on things, especially when I do like paranormal work and I have skeptics that come to maybe in my events and I'm teaching paranormal work and they're like, that doesn't exist. That's silly. I go straight back to energy. This is an energy situation that is about frequency and vibration. And when we get down to that, it gets very um, clear for people to maybe open their mind a little bit and get maybe um, fear, belief programmings old dogmatic programmings, my mom said that isn't true programmings, all of that stuff, we can get that out of the way when we bring it down to frequency. And we can all figure out frequency and we can all figure out things like, why do why does the internet work? Why does my phone work? Why does my everything work? Because it's all energy. Absolutely. My guest is Suzanne Worthley. She's the author of An Energy Healer's Book of Dying for Caregivers and Those in Transition. Suzanne, please tell our listeners where they can get your book and find out more about you and your work. Thank you. The easiest way to do that is just basically to visit my website, which is my first initial and last name. So it's sworthley.com. So S-W-O-R-T-H-L-E-Y.com. And you can get the book directly through there, but you can also just Google it on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble. Anything comes up if you Google um, just the name of the book itself, but you can also go directly through my site or Inner Traditions. And so there's a multitude of ways. And then on my site, I have a ton of free information on the Ascension process. I have blogs. I have forums. I have um, lots and lots of stuff for free for people, including, by the way, a meditation on the very front page to help you stay grounded and bubbled, especially during this time. So there's a lot on there to check out. And we'll be back with more of Suzanne and an energy healer's book of dying after these words on the Om Times Radio Network. You're listening to OTRFM. Part of the IOM Radio Network. Humanity Healing International is a small nonprofit with a big dream. Since 2007, HHI has been working tirelessly to bring help to communities with little or no hope. Our projects are not broad mandates, nor are they overnight solutions, but they bring the reassurance that no one is alone and that someone cares. To learn more, please visit humanityhealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. Hello, I'm Lisa Berry. Join me every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for Light on Living, a chance to see new, hear different, and feel more as I shine the spotlight on all the ways to lighten the load of life's challenges. Light on Living is your link to that new way you're looking for, that new understanding that will enhance your life, and that positive connection that will support your growth. So join me and you'll gain insight and start to see things in a new way that motivates you. A social distancing tip. Keeping your distance from others is important in slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are some fun things to do alone. Read a book. Take a walk. Unpack your suitcase from that trip you took last September. Paint a self-portrait. Catch up on a TV series. Do a puzzle. Remember, we should all stay home to lower the risk for everyone. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part. Because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. 
But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hi, this is Bill Maher. I can find humor in almost anything, but one thing I never laugh about is cruelty to animals. If you don't get the joke either, write People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, 501 Front Street, Norfolk, Virginia, 23510. Back on Destination Unlimited, my guest this week, Suzanne Worthley. She's the author of An Energy Healer's Book of Dying for Caregivers and Those in Transition. There are many bedside rituals that I've participated in, uh, including recently my mom and a dear friend. Please share with listeners an example of one that you've used to serve someone in transition. I think bedside rituals, first of all, are very, very personal. I think that can be anything as simple as when someone brings in lots of things that are meaningful for them to put around the room from, you know, um, letters or pictures or drawings from the grandkids to photographs to candles to music. And so I think bedside rituals, first of all, are very, very personal I was made privy to a situation where one of my father's very good friends who I grew up with sort of like an uncle was doing his hospice situation at home and he has a multitude of children by the way I think they had 10 kids and they were all holding vigil taking turns as this um, wonderful man was in the death process and they had so many beautiful things going on in terms of actually washing the body and um, putting oils on the body. So I think it can go the gamut. I was very privileged to be involved in a lot of bedside um, situations with that particular family where they were sharing. For me, I think it's fun to be the hospice practitioner, to be able to channel for those families at that time, meaning I can telepathically hear their actual loved one in transition when oftentimes they can't. And so one of the coolest ones I did was to be able to move a lot of um, forgiveness through for a particular family um, by listening to in my head and in my heart what the dying woman was trying to say her to her children which she could not articulate without somebody like me being able to be that so-called channel in between so I've been made privy to all kinds of things but that one was really special because she had some really big things to say that her physical body would not have been able to do to heal before she left I've worked with many people in transition in hospice and families as an interfaith minister 
But when it comes to be person, when it comes to a personal situation, it's a little bit different. Um, my mother-in-law passed in June of uh, 2018, and uh, my wife Lori Sue was at her side when she passed, and she had the experience similar to what you're describing. And uh, when I arrived, uh, we all got around her. I, I anointed her feet with oil, and uh, our wonderful friend, uh, funeral director uh, Amy Cunningham. Uh, was there with us, and uh, the the kids all showed up, and the grandkids all showed up, and the great-grandkids, and everyone spent some time telling her how much they loved her, and uh, she uh, was 100 years old at the time that she transitioned, and it was really, really special. She had lived her life her way. When my mom passed in January, uh, my sister and I were with her, and uh, she was unconscious at the time, and I was connecting with her on that level, the soul level, the spirit level. And um, while we did, uh, I recognized that she was looking for my father. And my dad died when I was 15. And after he passed, her song for him was Bobby Goldsboro's song, Honey. I don't know if you remember the song. It's Honey, I Miss You and I'm Being Good. I long to be with you if only I could. And we started, I started singing that song to her and saying, Dad's there waiting for you. And I started singing that song and she transitioned. So each of us has our own way of dealing with this. And, you know, if you can connect on that level of spirit and soul and talk to them, that's beautiful. You, I also strongly suggest that people talk to them when they can, because they can hear you, whether they, oh my gosh, absolutely. Do you have an experience with that? Oh, I mean, totally, because I mean, some of the stories in the book even are relative to that in terms of um, I'm talking to people telepathically all the time. And I know things, you know, that are in their file that I don't have uh, any access to. I know that, you know, one of the gentleman's uh, ex-wives was named Sharon, I believe. And, and I'm talking to him about Sharon in my head. And there's no way that I should know about Sharon. So Sharon, you know, we can we can know that. Um, the one at in the bed has three brothers because Suzanne can see them in spirit at the end of the bed. And I know that he's the third one and on and on it goes. I mean, the stories are endless in that regard because they are there and we do have access to all that stuff. And there's beautiful, wonderful things going on all the time. But we we're so scared and we're so frustrated and we're so angry and we're so busy that we don't have time to shut our brain down in the mental chatter or the fear of the anger enough to just let the body, especially the heart, open up to all of these maybe beautiful possible experiences of miracles right in front of our face during the death process. And that's pretty much why I detail it in the book to say, this is real in a lot of cases. Maybe you're experiencing this and don't discount it, you know? Absolutely. And again, for those who are not sensitive or are not open to that type of connection, uh, you can say something to someone who's in coma who's in transition, and they will absolutely hear everything you say. So I strongly suggest taking the time to express your love, whatever feelings you choose to express. If there's been a hurt, forgiveness, that's a real big one, especially if you felt that in some way the person may have hurt you in life. Forgive them and tell them you love them and just open your heart. And, and, uh, and keep that conversation going. And if you can't, and this is the, I have a lot of tactics in the book for each transitional stage on what you can do to hold space or pray or whatever. And we want to also remember to let them die, give them permission to die. And many, many of us can't even articulate something like that and quite possibly shouldn't in this situation, but we can do it in our heart and in our head. We can allow that person a release without saying, hey, mom, it's okay if you die right now, because that might not be appropriate for that particular situation. That sounds crass or that sounds scary, but oh my goodness, I can still do it in my head and in my heart 
because sometimes they just need permission. And that's part of it. In the hospice work, I have seen so many times when the family members are sending out those energetic tendrils and hanging on like, like, like ropes hanging on to that person. And, and one of the things that I suggest that they do is close their eyes and visualize that person happy and, and healthy as they remembered them and just let go of any, maintain that energy while letting go of any of that. I need you to be here. I need you to be here because when you do that sometimes. Because again, what's happening is, is, yeah, what's happening is, is we're taking their journey. We're taking their journey for ourselves. When I don't want mom to die, don't die, don't die. I'm so scared that you're going to die. It's actually about me being scared that you're going to be gone and meet body out of my life. Absolutely. So it's, we have to understand how to untwist that ego. And hopefully some of the tactical points that I give on what you can do as a caregiver will help people understand that there is a lot of things we can do and they are listening and they are present, even if they're so-called non-responsive. Now you've shared some of the experience. Do you have like an amazing personal story to share? Um, I think the my favorite story of all is in the book, which is the one about Rick. And um, that is my favorite one because his journey was my journey as a healer. And um, that one's pretty explicit in the book. And so I would encourage people to go ahead and read that one because that helped me understand that people get to die. And it's a beautiful, awesome um, case story. It's quite long and it's quite inclusive. Um, additionally, though, however, around the launch of this book, there's one particular just bizarre thing that happened in terms of an experience of death and the book related in terms of I got a holler on, you know, how Facebook has those messenger little bubbles that come to you on your phone. And I got a holler from someone I knew like 20 years ago saying, I need you or, or your book or I need you and your book. I need you now. And I'm like, what? I haven't heard from this gal for like 20 years. And again, bubble again. And then finally it came to a phone situation and I called her back and I'm like, oh my goodness, Lisa. And I have permission to share this story, by the way. And so she said, I need you now, but I need your book now. I ordered it, but I need it now. And I said, well, that's great, Lisa. I appreciate that, but it's not out for like two weeks. And she said, yeah, but I need it now because Laura's dying, which is her sister. And I said, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry to hear that because I knew Laura 20 years ago. And she said, she's in hospice and I need it right now because I can't do this again. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, one year to the day I was in hospice with my brother, Richie, who I also knew. And I can't do this again, Suzanne. I need to understand things from your book. And I said, well, being that it's not going to be out for two weeks, I will come and do hospice with you in two days in person if that will help. And I'll walk you through the concept of the book. And she said, oh, my gosh, that would be wonderful. So we hang up from that, make the date, the time, et cetera. Within about six hours, Victor, she had a screenshot on my telephone with my book in her hand. Mm. And I'm like, what the heck? I mean, it wasn't out. There was no way that should have happened. Talk about a divine intervention drop in. And I go on Friday, two days later, to do hospice with her sister. And she's holding my book. And nobody has my book, including me. And I'm like, how did that happen? She said, I don't know. I opened the mailbox and it was there. Wow. (laughs) Right? So I sat with this beautiful situation of her and her family. And her parents came the next day. And I had almost classroom going on in the actual hospice room with a whiteboard so that I was teaching the actual elements of the transition while their daughter is lying here. It was profound and it was incredible. And she was dying, sadly, of alcoholism, which we know 
distends the liver and shuts the kidneys down. And it's an excruciating, painful death. And the death one year prior of her brother was also huge and excruciating and went on for almost six weeks, they told me. So I said to them, this will be different with Laura because we're here doing this work. And I can guarantee you this will go smooth and it will go fast because we're doing the work. And she died like five hours after I left Mm. Mm. with complete in her sleep and no pain. It was the most profound story ever, all having to do with the book. And I have no idea what Angel dropped that into her hands because it was crazy. Is there a spirit publishing company that uh, took this from Inner Traditions and, and <laughs> printed know, a copy and sent weird, it? weird, wasn't it? Yeah. And finally, I had to call the publisher because um, then it was dropping everywhere and everybody was getting it. And I didn't even have an author copy yet. It was pretty funny. So whatever it needed to get out in the hands of very many during this really crazy time. And, and God love that. I mean, that's an awesome, awesome, beautiful thing. And I'm very grateful. So, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. That's that's truly an amazing story. I mean, uh, you and I could probably share amazing stories all day long because of our experiences. <laughs> but that, that one is truly breathtaking, the fact that the book arrived to her and that you were able to work with the family and support her in that way. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. I appreciate her letting me share it because it was pretty profound for everybody involved. Um, We're going to take a short break again. When we come back after the break, uh, we're going to talk about grief and the grieving process and then talk about the current COVID-19 situation. I'll be back with Suzanne Worthley in her book, An Energy Healer's Book of Dying for Caregivers and Those in Transition, after these words on the OM Times Radio Network. Ascending Hearts is no ordinary dating site, but a spiritual dating site with a purpose, to link you with your soulmate. We engineer the serendipity so you can trust that you will attune with someone that has the same matching vibration as you. Ascending Hearts, the conscious dating site for the spiritually aware. Try Ascending Hearts for free, ascendinghearts.com. More than 24 million Americans have an autoimmune disorder, and that number continues to grow. I'm Sharon Saylor, and I'm one of those 24 million. To put that number in perspective, cancer affects about 9 million and heart disease up to 22 million. That's why I've brought together top experts and those thriving regardless of their diagnosis to bring you the latest, most up-to-date information. Join me, Sharon Saylor, Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, for the Autoimmune Hour on Life Interrupted Radio to find out how to live your life uninterrupted. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up, like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A Teenager. Learning the Lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Step into the world of power, 
loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Back on Destination Unlimited, my guest this week, Suzanne Worthley. She's the author of An Energy Healer's Book of Dying for Caregivers and Those in Transition. Suzanne, as an interfaith minister and from personal experience, I know that grief is a very individual process. There's no right or wrong to grieving or a proper time frame. What advice do you offer for those in grief? Uh, 100% what you just said in terms of please, please do understand that for you and for anyone else involved, there is no timeline to grief, there is no right or wrong way, and everybody does it as they're choosing to. And I think it's very, very important to go back and study, you know, the Kubler-Ross um, stages of grief because I do believe that they are real and we do go through them and not necessarily in order and we can jump around and repeat. But if we don't necessarily let our own human body, the one that's left here, experience the sadness, the anger, the denial, all of those stages, if we don't, we're just basically stuffing and we don't want to stuff any more energy in our already grieving body because that diseases our own meat body. And then our meat body is, you know, more susceptible to moving through negative energies that then turn to disease. So it's a it's an ongoing process. What we want to do is we want to feel the feel. Our human bodies are made to have compassion and empathy. So yes, we want to feel the grief, but then we want to do things with it to actually mobilize and move through the grief and work with the grief. And we can find wonderful, beautiful ways to do that from maybe today is punching a pillow and kicking a couch, but maybe the next day is planting a flower and, and playing our favorite song and moving through the grief so that it can turn to kind of like um, eventually uh, fuel of joy. And so this is possible, but do not underestimate that we will all feel some semblance of that sadness. And that's an important part of the process. I had a wonderful teacher who used to say in the 23rd Psalm where it says, you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He says, you walk through it. You don't stay there. You walk through it and get to the other side. Yeah. And and we need to understand, in my opinion, honor is one of the biggest words I live by, especially with the death process. We need to understand and honor the fact that that person chose from a higher standpoint, from their higher self, from their God package self. They chose to leave this earth plane in the existence of meat and bone. 
That said, that doesn't mean that my experience, my connection, like you had the rubbing on your back situation with your loved one that was gone, it doesn't mean that we can't find the awe and the wonder and the miracles of this energetic world that we live in, this holographic experience. We can find so many magical miracles if we allow ourselves to work with grief instead of get stuck in it. Absolutely. As I mentioned in the introduction to our interview, the current COVID-19 pandemic presents unprecedented challenges, both in simple daily living and, of course, in dying. As an energy healer, what is your sense about this virus? Oh, my goodness. I just did a live webcast um, for my tribe. I have an online community called the Vibe Tribe that I work with, and we opened up my normal monthly membership Vibe Tribe webcast to everybody on my list and shared it on Facebook. And we had a good chunk of people listening the other night because I think I wanted to offer a different perspective, one of kind of like expansion and thoughts on this. And um, I appreciate you asking because this is to me metaphoric. Yes, it's real. I do not underestimate the fact that this is real. Um, and I encourage people all the time to, yes, so-called follow the rules, wash your hands, be diligent. Um, and nobody's right or wrong on this, by the way. There is no right to any of this. But my personal opinion is that this is metaphorically in alignment with the overall ascension process, that we are being gifted at the exact same time as we're having this experience, that there is two dualistic scenarios going on here, and that this actual pandemic is very, very relative and symbolic and metaphoric of what we're doing as an entire ascension process, meaning that we are going through the dark night of everything in this planetary existence as humans and Mother Earth itself and our cosmos to be able to rise up and to be able to do this during the so-called Easter period is, again, timely and metaphoric so that we rise, that we, we go upward in our transition of self. And this is part of the cocooning. It's, again, metaphoric. Go into the house. Get quiet. You don't have a job. You can't talk to people. Well, it's time to go inside of our house, meaning go inside of our body, go inside of our heart, go inside of our mind. The quarantine is a bigger metaphor. The quarantine is to go inside and release everything that is not for my highest and best good, which, by the way, is fear. And we are collective on a consciousness basis, fueling this fear way faster than we're fueling a disease in 3D. And this is the other lesson, in my opinion, is that we have to understand that COVID spread is spread 10 times faster by human consciousness going into our grid patterns of the collective. Because if we're all putting in that message of, oh, my God, we're going to die. Oh, my God, we're going to die then we are putting fear, 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 and fear finds fear, like finds like, law of attraction is not our friend right now. So I talked a lot about the metaphors of the ascension in alignment with what's going on. And so, yes, it is very real, but to me it's a way bigger picture and a way bigger opportunity to find alignment into our truth. And the book is very relevant at this time because there is no death when we look at the metaphor. Absolutely. What do you say to people who are going through losses right now and can't even be with their loved ones at life's end? 
that's again why I think writing a book from a perspective of being a psychic intuitive, it shows a lot of the stages. The person is already out of body. That person who is in their death experience are very, very sick, for example, with COVID, and I can't get to my dying person in the nursing home, or I can't get here, I can't get there. We are telepathic human beings that have heart spaces that are channels of communication, much like a root system underneath the ground or on the internet web. I mean, we can certainly be fine with sending, you know, an email or a text message around the world, but we're not fine with sending a love message to our loved one. We need to start to understand how to open up these belief systems and say, I am doing my job from heart space to still stay connected to that person that I can't get to in physicality because I don't need my body. And this is part of the experience of understanding death overall. We can practice with this right now with our loved ones who are sick or even just estranged from us because of this so-called pandemic going on. And we can start to understand eventually when I don't have that meat body of mom or dad or whomever, I can still have that communication. So this is a really great playing ground for us to practice with in terms of how do we communicate in heart and in head, meaning telepathically. And this is a beautiful opportunity for us. Do you have an example of a ritual that can be used in these days of physical distancing? I think it's literally called prayer. And when I talk about grid patterns as an energy worker, which I drew out extensively on my webcast, and I'm going to try to get that up on Facebook um, this week here. So if anybody needs to kind of find it through the grapevine, it'll be on, um, you know, Suzanne Worthy on Facebook eventually here. It's a grid pattern. When we put out a thought, think of a, a line of energy that goes out vertically and then we put an emotion and it goes horizontally and a thought and emotion, thought and emotion, thought and emotion. And we start to create what we would see as a grid pattern. And we're starting to put things into these grid patterns and it's a blueprint of our reality. So what we want to do is we want to put blueprint programming in there of what we want, not allow that blueprint programming to already be put on by everybody of what they don't want. So this is personal responsibility of sticking into the grid pattern. I am going to send out this thought and emotion to my loved one and I want to see on behalf of them this kind of an ending. It's a different way of looking at prayer. But we always also have to understand that my version of a happy ending might not be their higher self's version of that same happy ending. We need to always understand that spirit from a higher source is in charge of that overall ending. But it doesn't mean that from my individualized ritual, I can't light a candle, I can't dance, I can't drum, I can't whatever, and send that positive energy on behalf of and then release it so that they can find it. Beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Um, what advice would you offer to the dedicated medical personnel, caregivers, hospice workers during this crisis? Gosh, you know, I, I look at them. And again, what we have to understand is they are choosing not only in a 3D version to do this, which God love them for it because they are on the front lines. But this is no different than us on a daily basis, taking care of ourselves. I do a lot of grounding and bubbling and I teach all of my clients a ground in a bubble technique, meaning stay grounded and stay fueled and stay bubbled. And this is something, in my opinion, we should be learning in third grade because we'd all be better off. We wouldn't be taking everybody's energy all day long if we would keep our own. So when we see our medical staff all, you know, 
um, got the mask and we got the funny thing over the head and we got all the gloves and we got the creepy hazmat look going on. It's scary. But what we want to understand is that's actually protection, much like their auric field. And so I say to them, because I do have some friends on the front line, a sister included, I say, stay in your bubble, stay in your auric bubble of your higher self and your fuel and keep fueling yourself with joy and magic on the off times because this is important for you to stay on a highest love quotient so that your frequency and your vibration as a human meat body stays above what we would call the density of COVID. That it stays at a frequency where COVID can't find you because COVID is fear. And so this is very important for not only anybody that's in the medical field, but for every single one of us walking around on a daily basis as this ground and bubble is important for us to keep our high frequency of love quotient understanding. My higher self knows my path and I am in alignment with that from a lower so-called 3D perspective. I trust my higher self and that's kind of what I do on behalf of them every day when I see them on the news. What message would you give to your readers and to our listeners when it comes to the world of death and dying? I said once on a radio station about a year or two ago, live as if you're dying because you will die as if you're living. And it's so true because our chakra system is right now calibrating as we're living how will we will experience our death process. And so those that are clearing out fear right now will have an easier death. Those that are clearing out old belief systems that no longer behoove them will have an easier death in transition. So I say again, you know, live as if you're dying because you are already dying and you will die as if you're living. Her book is called An Energy Healer's Book of Dying for Caregivers and Those in Transition. Suzanne Worthley, one more time, please tell our listeners where they can get your book and find out more about you and this amazing work. Thank you, and thanks for asking. Um, it is on my website, which is my name, so sworthley.com, so S-W-O-R-T-H-L-E-Y.com, and there is a direct link right when you get on my website to purchase the book through Inner Traditions right from my website. Um, that said, however, if you just even Google um, my name, I'll come up, and or if you Google an Energy Healer's Book of Dying, it will come up in all different ways through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. So the whole gamut will come up if you just actually Google the book's name as well. Suzanne, thank you for this wonderful gift that you're giving the world and for everything that you do. I really, really appreciate you offering the opportunity to chat, and I value your insight, and I just, I'm so excited that we met, like you said, kind of like soul sister brother, and it's important for us to open up this conversation of death culture and dying, because it's, it, we're all going to do it, you know, in one shape or form, and we're all going to support it in one shape or form, so I, I really thank you for making the time to share this today. Absolutely, and thank you for joining us on Destination Unlimited. I'm Victor the Voice Furman. Have a wonderful With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.